This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning again. If you'll grab your scriptures or devices, follow along on the monitors, uh, reading from Genesis chapter 21 this morning. Genesis chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, 
so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Let's pray. Almighty God, we're so grateful that when the pressures of life come upon us, we cry out that you hear us. Thank you, Father, that you not only hear, but then you act to meet our need and to open our eyes to see your gracious provision. And so pray, Father, that you'll help us to have that mindset as we go through life that when difficult times come that we will do exactly that, call out to you and look for your deliverance. Father, we, our hearts are heavy for the people of Ukraine. And Father, we don't understand why you permit such things, but we also know, Father, from your word that things like this will transpire and come to pass and that prophecies will declare that a vast army will come out of the north and will attack your nation, Israel. And so, Father, although we would like to pray for deliverance for these people, we pray that your will would be done and that you would open our eyes and to see the work that you might be accomplishing. And Father, we do ask that your mercy and your grace would be poured out upon these people and that you would provide a way of deliverance for them and that you would help uh, your people throughout the world to rise up and to come to meet their need. Help also, Father, our eyes to be open to understand the brevity of life and the uncertainty of things. Help us, Father, not to put our trust or our hope in these things, but to put our, set our minds on things above. And Father, we ask for your blessing upon your word as your servant delivers it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's move into Genesis chapter 21. Finally, after nine chapters, we reach the point of the promise of God to Abraham being fulfilled. The birth of the Son in whom the promise of blessing was to come to all the world. You know, think, things, like, things like this are definitely exciting times. 
You know, the, the, the buildup is great. It, it's been highly anticipated. And, and I think you can relate to that. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe for you it's a new job, a, a, a new home. Uh, maybe it's retirement. I mean, that's a big change. Maybe it's moving, moving to another country, not just a new house. If, if it's something big that we've been waiting for, have you ever noticed that often when we get there, it can kind of seem like not as great as we thought it was? I'm, I'm sure there's some of you in, internally nodding your heads. You've experienced that. And, and I feel like this is a bit of the flavor of, of the text in chapter 21 at the beginning. And then, and then we quickly get ushered in, you know, after the birth, we quickly get rush, ushered into the, the difficult Hagar-Ishmael situation. And then we end with, with Abimelech coming back into the picture to, to make a deal. We, we really learn a lot about the, the big, highly anticipated events in life to the, to the difficult times in life, to the ordinary, everyday stuff of life. And so that's how we're going to divide our text this morning. The big stuff, the tough stuff, and the small stuff. I don't think I have to repeat that. No matter what type of stuff is, what type of stuff it is, though, God is there, and God can be praised. That's the important thing. God can be praised through all of those things. So let's start with the big stuff. And, and it's obvious what the, what the big thing is. The promised son is born. All right? it, it, it does seem, you know, as I said, lackluster, as it only takes a couple verses to reveal this information. But, but let me just reread those two verses again. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 21 in Genesis. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. It's short, it's brief, but notice what is stressed. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. See, what, what is stressed here is that God kept his word. God came through. God said or God did what he said he would do. Now, how important is that? How important is that? I think, I think it's huge. If, if God gives us a promise as children through Christ, we can count on it because we can count on him. God is dependable. Remember last week, we, we looked at the evil we often return to again and again, even though we don't want to. Let, let me read you a promise from God related to being, being tempted, being tempted to, 
to, to return to those same old evil ways that always seem to sort of ensnare us. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. So, so this promise tells us, first of all, that we're not some weirdo in regard to the evil ways that we struggle with. That, that's often what, kind of what we feel like. Like, we feel alone. Like, nobody deals with this. Like, I, I'm, the only, I'm the only weird one here. There, there are others who are tempted in the same ways. God promises that he will not allow that temptation to be more than we are able to resist. Further, he says that he'll also provide a way out so that we don't have to give in to it. Now, if, if we remember that God keeps his word, that he's dependable, and we couple that with this promise, we can have great confidence in killing the old evil ways in our life in knowing that they're not going to be able to ensnare us forever. All right, let's get back to the, the narrative here. The son is born, and in obedience, Abraham calls him Isaac. Right? That's, what, that's what he was told to name the child. And he circumcises him on the eighth day. Sarah says that, that God has made laughter for her, right? And that's what, that's what Isaac means, you know, he, he laughs. Sarah, Sarah was so skeptical of God's promise a year ago from this point that she laughed in disbelief when she overheard it. Now she is laughing in joy and praise to God for for only what he could have done in giving her a son. You see, it, it, can, it can be easy to praise God through the exciting milestone-type times, but it can be just as easy to forget about God as well in those times if we let the gift overshadow the giver. So, so how, do you, how do you keep from forgetting God? Well, well, let's think about Abraham and Sarah. They obviously didn't. Their, their life was wrapped up in God's promises. Right? They, they, they lived for God. And that's why this event didn't overshadow God. It is only a life that is being lived for God that will not forget to praise God for the things that he has done in our lives. God cannot be overshadowed by anything great and grand if he himself is always the centerpiece. Now, 
Maybe that sounds a little bit radical, fanatical, right? Give, give, give my, my whole life over to God. Make him the center of my life. Well, it is radical. But the, but the only other alternative is, is to segment your life into yours and God's. Right? God, you can have my Sundays, but the other six days are mine. God, you can, you can have my bad times. I really don't want them anyway. But the, the, the good times, those belong to me. The Lord Jesus Christ gave up everything so that you could, in his words, have life and have it abundantly. So we, we need to look at this in the right way. We, we, may, we may seem like we are losing when we give our life over to the Lord, but we are really gaining. That's why Abraham and Sarah never turn back. They, they have the Lord, and he is more valuable than anything that they left behind in Haran or Ur. So when Isaac was, was weaned, Abraham threw a big party. He was celebrating what the Lord had done. His 90-year-old wife had given him a son. That was a miracle. And, and he grew up and, and survived the, the high infant mortality rate during this time period and was now a healthy, a healthy baby, probably, probably around three years old. His celebration, though, was about to end as Sarah sees Ishmael laughing at this celebration. And the laughing was, was not in joy for what God had done. In the context, it was, it was mocking because Sarah was very upset over it. Ishmael is not sharing the same joy over the son as Abraham and Sarah were. So this brings us to our next point. It's the tough stuff. Sarah demands Abraham exile Ishmael and Hagar. Verse 11 shows us how tough this was for Abraham. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. So even though Abraham had, had run ahead of God in trying to secure the promise of a son by, by sleeping with, with Hagar to get Ishmael, he was still his son. He was still his son. He had probably spent time with him and taught him things that a father teaches a son. God, however, confirms to Abraham that he needs to listen to Sarah. You know, it's, it's, as a side point, it's, it's interesting here. A lot of, a lot of uh, people think that, you know, biblical submission within marriage has to do with not ever saying anything, never opposing anyone. 
But Sarah here opposes Abraham in, in saying this, 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 she needs to go, and so does she. And this, and this is devastating to him. But Sarah voices her concerns. She's even given as a model of submission in 1 Peter. You know, even though Abraham made a mistake in trying to run ahead of God, Ishmael was not a mistake. Right? No, no child is ever a mistake. But if Ishmael was to stay, then the birthright is, is in question, and the promised heir becomes endangered by the older, stronger Ishmael. So God gives a promise to Abraham that he would also make his son Ishmael a great nation as well. So in, in Abraham's mind, to, to exile Hagar and Ishmael before this promise is certain death for his son. But now God's word gives Abraham hope that they will not perish as he sends them out into the desert of Beersheba, but that they will live and prosper. So here's the important, uh, here's the important point in all of this. Abraham trusts God with the tough stuff. He's willing to trust God even when it's difficult and it goes against his better judgment. Not only is Ishmael Abraham's own flesh and blood, but my guess, and it's a pretty good guess, is that Abraham looks at Ishmael as his backup plan, his plan B. Now, I'm not pulling that idea out of thin air. Look at, look at verse 12, when God speaks to Abraham about this. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He doesn't just tell Abraham that Ishmael will be blessed apart from him, separated from him, but also that Ishmael will, or, or sorry, or also that Isaac will carry on the promised family line. You see, at three years old, Isaac is still a baby prone to the high mortality rates of infants during this time period. Ishmael, on the other hand, is as old as 16 years old. He's, he's, he's weathered those, those frail years. He's proved his health and his strength. So the odds are in favor over, for Ishmael over Isaac to be around in the future. But God says, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named shall be named. Not might, but shall. You see, God has no plan B because God's plan A never fails. He doesn't need a backup plan. 
So if, if God is clear in his message to us through his word, the Bible, we don't have to have a backup plan in case he doesn't come through. If we look back at that temptation thing, we don't have to have a backup plan. He will not allow more than we can bear. He will provide a way of escape. Your, your faith is really tested through the difficult times. But even through the tough stuff, God's plan A is still intact. We may get nervous, scared, panicked. This, this is Abraham with this situation. But God remains cool, calm, and collected. Because plan A always goes forward when it's God's plan A. Further, the, the tough stuff is what God uses to grow our faith. Abraham had to really trust God to exile his firstborn son, didn't he? He really had to trust that God was, what God said about him becoming a great nation, that's going to happen. So I can, I, can trust, I can trust God. I can send them out knowing God is going to care for them. And he does. We read that. But, you know, Abraham's willingness to trust God right here in this tough time, in this tough spot, is just a small step of faith toward what will come in the next chapter. That's a good teaser, I think. You see, God is also graciously preparing Abraham for the greatest faith test of his life. Tune in next week. The tough stuff you are going through now may be God preparing you for something later. Something that you would never get through if you were not going through whatever difficult thing you are going through now or perhaps gone through in the past. I know, I know none of us like the tough stuff in life, but it's there that God's reality is seen and where we really learn to trust him. When we trust God with the tough stuff of life, it's really a form of worship unlike any other. Right? Our, our obedience and trust send the message that, that God is always worth it, no matter what. This is praise to God. It may not seem like praise. It probably didn't seem like praise when Abraham sent these two out into the unknown. But it was praise because he was doing as God had commanded and trusting in what God had said. Now we get to the last point, the small stuff. Or the, or the mundane, or the, or the regular, or the everyday stuff. This is the stuff that makes up most of life. So this is important. So, so do you remember Abimelech from the last chapter? He's back. 
And, and this time, he wants a treaty with Abraham because he's, he sees, quite astutely, God is definitely with you, Abraham. The, the rest of this is really quite uneventful, kind of boring. Abraham accuses Abimelech of, of, or, or his men of taking his well that he dug. I mean, a well is a pretty important thing in a, in, in a sort of a desert climate. Abimelech denies he knows anything about this. So Abraham, upon making this you know, peace treaty with him, also makes him agree that that well is his. And, and we see that he does agree. That, that whole seven lamb thing that he does, that's, that's, what, he's, that's what he's doing with that. He, I'm giving you these seven lambs. When you, if you're taking these lambs and you're saying that, that well is mine, and, and he takes them. And so after Abimelech leaves, Abraham calls upon the name of the Lord. Basically, he praises God that, that his well is back in his possession. Right? It's, it's a small life event compared to Isaac, the miracle child. But he still praises God for it. It's important to praise God for the small, everyday stuff of life. Like rain for the tank. A date with your spouse, a car service with no unexpected surprises, a regular paycheck deposited into your account, general health, lunch with a friend, a new good book, a parking spot in town, an old familiar song, a brisk walk that stirs up your endorphins, a good laugh. The list goes on and on and on. If you can't learn to praise God for the regular, everyday stuff of life, the small stuff, you probably won't remember to obey him when the tough stuff comes and the big stuff will sadly overshadow him. So how do we, how do, we do this? How, how do we live a life of praise to God? From the big stuff to the tough stuff to the small stuff. Well, you, you, need, you need, first of all, a constant that you can always give praise to. Something that when you think about it, automatically evokes praise. And I believe that starts with a recognition of the greatest gift that was ever given, Jesus Christ himself. This is the greatest thing we could ever praise God for. It's, it's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to bear the judgment of all of our wrongs, all of the evils that we've done. 
or all of the things that we could ever do. When we really grasp that truth, it's something that fills our hearts with eternal praise because it is a gift that can never fully be expressed by our words and our appreciation. He can never be overshadowed by any grand event in life because that was the greatest event in life. When he bore our sins on the cross and rose again three days later in victory. The, the tough stuff can never get us down because the cross lifts us to higher ground. Because he is our source of eternal praise, we will be supernaturally bent toward a life of everyday praise. From the big stuff to the small stuff. But perhaps for you, 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 need, you need that new life one that is not dead toward God. Jesus tells us that he is the bread of God which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. You must be alive to God to live a life of praise to God. In the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. That new birth begins with trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross. The wonderful thing is that that gift is presented to you by God's grace. It's a no-strings-attached thing. It's, it's not you've got, to, you've got to dust yourself off, get yourself cleaned up. It's you come as you are, you accept the gift, and it's no-strings-attached. You just believe what he has done for you. That's what faith is, accepting what God has done for us. For God so loved you that he gave his only son, so that if you believe in him, you will never perish, but have eternal life. Do you have Christ as your greatest gift, as your most precious treasure? A life of praise can only begin there. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful reminder of the truth that is found in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the gift that cannot be expressed through words or acts of appreciation. 
He is the one who bends us toward a life of praise in this life and in the life past the grave. For those who have trusted in Christ, Father, may you renew their zeal, renew their, their love for you. Our love can often grow cold. Forgive us for when it does. And lead us back to your son and the place where his love was shown on the cross. But Father, for those who, who have never truly received Christ, who have perhaps been trying to, to go it alone on their own merits, thinking that what they can do in their own strength and power is sufficient for you. Father, we know that's not the case, for it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift from you so that we can never boast about it. Our boast can only truly be in you. And so, Father, help those who have not received the gift of Christ to receive him as their greatest treasure, that they may live a life of praise. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.